When someone comes to you and asks you to keep what they tell you in confidence, do you? Or are you quick to spread it around town? Here's Pastor Ed Taylor. Confidentiality is of utmost importance within the church of Jesus Christ. It should be better, you know, some, some of you guys will work in the medical field and you know what HIPAA has done to everything and how you got to sign everything away and they won't tell you anything about anything about anything unless you have all, those pay, all that paperwork. Like, confidentiality should be better than our U.S. government's approach to health care. But it's not. The church is known as gossips. The church is known as slanderers. The church is known as whisperers. And perhaps God really needs to reaffirm and you need to be receiving from God tonight your need to keep things in confidence. This is amazing grace This is unfailing love That you would take my place That you would bear my cross You laid down your life That I would be set free Hi there, and again, welcome to Abounding Grace. Today marks the end of a wonderful journey through First and Second Kings with Pastor Ed Taylor. If you'll recall, we've been hearing about the rule and reign of King Hezekiah. He was a good and godly king, and God is about to heal him of his sickness and give him 15 more years of life. But like many of us, he makes a big mistake that's rooted in pride. He failed to bring something before the Lord and paid dearly for it. Let's see what we can learn from this common mistake. Here's Pastor Ed in 2 Kings 20. Verse 2, he prays. He's crying out, reminding God, thinking of the things that were he honored him. He wept bitterly, verse 4. When it happened, then it happened before Isaiah had gone out into the middle court that the word of the Lord came to him, saying, Return and tell Hezekiah, the leader of my people, thus says the Lord, the God of David, your father. I've heard your prayer. I've seen your tears. Surely I will heal you. And on the third day, you shall go up to the house of the Lord, and I will add to your days 15 years. And I will deliver you and this city from the hand of the king of Assyria, and I will defend this city for my own sake and for the sake of my servant David. And then Isaiah said, take a lump of figs. So they took and laid it on the boil, and he recovered. So whatever his sickness was, boils, it was unto death. He was given a very practical way to heal it with these figs, and God heard his prayer. And you know, this is what we expect every time we pray for healing. We expect God to answer it. We, we would love to have this written in our lives. I just prayed for a dear saint after first service this last weekend who's in a wheelchair suffering from a great disease, a very progressive disease, and when we prayed for her, we prayed by faith. I prayed that God would touch her. I prayed that God would heal her. And there are many that we're praying for in our church today. That when we pray for them by name, you get the emails as well where we have our prayer chain here, and you pray for them. We pray by faith. We pray that God would work. We hope the best. And in this case, God did heal. And he did bring about an additional 15 more years of life. Now, you Bible students, if you want to jot it down, uh, when, if, you want to, if, if you want to look it up later, Isaiah chapter 38, we have insight into Hezekiah's prayer. And Isaiah writes it down for us. 
and, and he wrote it down so he might remember it. Um, but God's answer to Hezekiah began with a note that he heard our prayer. That to me is just encouraging. God hears your prayers. I know it feels like he doesn't sometimes, but he hears your prayers. And he answers them according to his will. As we learned recently, uh, the whole purpose of prayer is to learn obedience. And obedience to what? Not my will, but your will be done. And God's working that out in our lives. And we don't like it. Anybody want to say amen to that? I don't like it. Now, if anybody does like it, can I just talk to you after service? I want to know what it is that causes you to enjoy the process. The process isn't always fun, but the result is always glorious. The process of waiting and waiting and waiting is a developing in our lives. God does a work on the inside. And it's interesting how God heals. He did it with this mixture of figs. They put it on the boil in verse 7, and he recovered. You know, God does heal today. The Bible says in James chapter 5, verse 14, Is any among you sick? You should call for the elders of the church and have them pray over them, anointing them with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer offered in faith will heal the sick, and the Lord will make them well. You know, God does use the medical profession to heal. Thank God for the wisdom he's given men and women in the medical profession, in science. I mean, there's just some really smart people that God has given wisdom on how to heal and how to, how to use different topics and the different pills and different things to bring healing. We praise God for that. God doesn't have to use medicine, but he can. God could just heal without this fig stuff. He could just say, Hezekiah, you're good. But God does use sometimes medicine to bring healing. He does sometimes bring surgery and, and the wisdom that he's given to men and women in the medical profession and the research, you know, and just, just to think that there are people, maybe not for the glory of God today, but many of them are for the glory, but to think that there are people on the planet today that have dedicated their entire lives to finding cures to diseases. I just commend them and just pray that that heart of mercy would be connected with God and they would see that God is the great healer. And that what they're finding is just in line with what God has already created. <laughs> it's not man gets the credit, but God, but I'm just so grateful. And how much more when we are wanting to serve people to glorify God. What a great motive just to bring healing, uh, to help bring healing. It's, it's like, you know, it's, it's like, I, again, remembering when my kids were younger, when they were down with a fever, you know, the heart of a dad, you just lay over them and you're just like, you know, God, just give me their fever. I'll take it. Just see them so miserable. You know, and they're so hot and they're so miserable and they're just, and just like, God, I'll take it. Just relieve them from this. You know, if a mom or a dad could feel about, like that about their own kid, how about the love of our Heavenly Father who wants to bring strength and healing and help and hope into our lives? It's a beautiful thing. So they use this fig thing um, to bring healing to his boils. <laughs> I don't know. I just thought that was funny. <laughs> You're just sick with a boil. Let's not be guilty, church, of trying to make God be confined to one method or one way. And let God do what he wants to do. God is not confined to our methods. He's not confined to our thinking. He's not confined to our only options. Perhaps today you're coming to God and you have a problem. You have a difficulty. Perhaps you even have a sickness. And you come to God today and you say, okay, God, I'm asking for this healing. I'm asking for this help. And I want you to do it, well, one of two ways. You can do it this way. That would be really cool. That would be really awesome. That's the way I prefer. Or you can do it this way. Uh, you know, it's not the way I want it, but I like the end result. Well, what if God wants to do it a totally different way? 
And while you're waiting for your little options, God has resources that we don't know anything about. When they were going to feed the thousands, Jesus, he asked the question to, to see, what, what, what are you going to do? We've got all these thousands of people. Go get us, somebody, get us some food. And his response is, well, we could, we could never, I can't do this. And yet it was just a test to draw out faith from him. Because the Bible says that he already knew what he was going to do. God already knows what he's going to do in our lives. And we should be open for whatever method he wants to use. Well, notice in verse 8 it says, Hezekiah said to Isaiah, What is the sign that the Lord will heal me, and that I shall go up to the house of the Lord on the third day? And Isaiah said, This is the sign to you from the Lord, that the Lord will do, to, do the thing which he has spoken. Shall the shadow go forward 10 degrees or go backward 10 degrees? And Hezekiah answered, It is an easy thing for the shadow to go down 10 degrees, but no, let the shadow go backward 10 degrees. So Isaiah the prophet cried out to the Lord, and he brought the shadow 10 degrees backward by which it had gone down on the sundial of Ahaz. So Hezekiah wants a sign as confirmation, and the Lord gives it to him. This shadow that was sent supernaturally went backwards 10 degrees. And so the sun would go down, but the shadow would naturally get longer, but here it becomes shorter and God miraculously worked and gave him the sign. And I know there are times we're so desperate. We're just like, Lord, would you give me a sign? Would you just show me something? Would you show me favor? God doesn't always do that. But listen, sometimes he does. <laughs> That's pretty cool. Sometimes he does. I mean, his presence is enough for us. But knowing the weakness of who we are, sometimes God will just meet us where we're at to comfort us. Sometimes he does. It might not be that big of a sign, and it may not be as large as you would like, but there are those times where God just reminds us, I'm here with you, son. It's going to be okay. And I mean, this is a pretty big one, this supernatural movement of the sun, but the shadow, it would get shorter. Verse 12, and at, at that time, Baradak Baladon, the son of Baladon, the king of Babylon, sent letters and a present to Hezekiah, for he heard that Hezekiah had been sick. And Hezekiah was attentive to them and showed them all the house of his treasures, the silver, the gold, the spices, the precious ointment, and all his armory, all that was found among his treasures. There was nothing in his house or in all his dominion that Hezekiah did not show them. Uh-oh. Mark that. Verse 14, Isaiah the prophet went to King Hezekiah and said to him, What did these men say? And from where did they come to you? And Hezekiah said, They came from a far country, from Babylon. And he said, what have they seen in your house? And Hezekiah answered, They've seen all that's in my house. There is nothing among my treasures that I have not shown them. And Isaiah said to Hezekiah, Hear the word of the Lord. Behold, the days are coming when all that's in your house and with what your fathers have accumulated until this day shall be carried to Babylon. Nothing shall be left, says the Lord. And they shall take away some of your sons who will descend from you, whom you will beget, and they shall be eunuchs in the palace of the king of Babylon. And Hezekiah said to Isaiah, The word of the Lord which you have spoken is good. And he said, Will there not be peace and truth in these, at least in my days? Well, Hezekiah has a serious health scare. He weeps bitterly, cries out desperately. God answers, gives him the solution, the, the ointment with figs, gives him a sign on top of that, and he's not desperate anymore. And he gets these letters from the king of Babylon, and he entertains them. What a major mistake. You see, even though Hezekiah is in a great place, a place of healing, a place of hope. 
the enemy of his soul is still at work, coming after him. He came both to deceive and devour Hezekiah. And this time he comes in the form of letters. Not unfamiliar to Hezekiah. Because we've learned in his life that he's had previous experience with letters. And what did he do? Laid them before the Lord and sought God. And now he gets these letters and they're, they're, they're not so accusatory. They're more, you know, buttering them up and, and are you okay? And can we come see you? And when they come, he shows them everything. What's the problem with that? Well, first of all, everything he showed them belonged to the Lord. They weren't Hezekiah's. The kingdom wasn't Hezekiah's. The articles weren't, has nothing in Hezekiah's possession was actually Hezekiah's. And you know, the same is true for you and me. I've seen it happen many times. Difficulty brings desperation, brings deliverance, brings a calm, brings a temptation, and a great fall. In this case, Hezekiah forgot his God so quickly. He forgot the last time that God came through for him. He forgot to recall that, yes, things need to be brought before God. He forgot that these letters, which which would have and should have prompted him to ask God for wisdom. And so these leaders come from Babylon, and they see the wealth of Judah, and they want to see it all. And I believe this pricked the pride of Hezekiah, He began to feel strong again. He began to see the kind of leader that he was. But he was the kind of leader that he was by the grace of God. I mean, most of the other leaders within the kingdom were horrible kings. Why was Hezekiah such a great king? The grace of God. It was God's faithfulness in his life. It wasn't his ability to rule, and it wasn't his strength, and it wasn't his smarts. It was God in his life. He sought first the kingdom of God, and God met him there. But then when these leaders come from Babylon, I believe his pride. He's just, man, I'm a good leader. Maybe even thinking I'm a better leader. And he was nothing apart from the grace of God. And when you forget, and when I forget, that I am nothing apart from the grace of God, that, my friend, is the beginning of the end. Nothing good will come from that thought. Nothing good will come, especially in that mind when somebody comes to butter you up when all they want to do is check you out. And that's what happened. And Hezekiah showed him everything. Do you know, we know now, Hezekiah could have found out if he prayed, but Babylon, these leaders, they only had two main goals. Number one, they wanted to find out how strong the kingdom was. It was was a reconnaissance trip. They're setting them up to take, take them captive. They wanted to find out how strong the kingdom was, number one. And number two, they wanted to try to draw Hezekiah into some kind of unity with them. But Hezekiah didn't see God, and he was fooled. Not unlike Joshua, when the Gibeonites came to him, where they lied to him and showed false, rotten food to him. And he didn't see God. And the Gibeonites were a thorn in his flesh. And yet he gave, Hezekiah gives them a grand tour of everything. 
We don't have time to develop this. Perhaps I'll develop a study in the future, but this speaks to the value of confidentiality among the brethren. Confidentiality is of utmost importance within the church of Jesus Christ. It should be better, you know, some, some of you guys work in the medical field and you know what HIPAA has done to everything and how you got to sign everything away and they won't tell you anything about anything about anything unless you have all, those pay, all that paperwork. Like, the confidentiality should be better than our U.S. government's approach to health care. But it's not. The church is known as gossips. The church is known as slanderers. The church is known as whisperers. Oh yeah, sometimes it comes out in flowery prayers. Sometimes it starts, dear God, we pray for so-and-so today. You know what a rotten creep he is and what he did and how he lied. You know, no, no. Listen, confidentiality. Hezekiah should have kept the wealth of his country confidential. He, they knew he was a great king. And the things that belong to the Lord belong to the Lord. And perhaps God really needs to reaffirm and you need to be receiving from God tonight your need to keep things in confidence. You break someone's trust, it's almost impossible to win it back. And trust is really all we have in relating to other people. And I have to say, when someone comes into a church like this, hurting, broken, struggling, they come in with a little bit of trust, probably the last little bit that they've saved in their lives. The last little bit. Like a lot, even in our fellowship family, you know, sometimes, many times, this little fellowship family of ours is the last stop for someone before they completely turn their back on God. And we don't want to hurt them by taking advantage of their trust. We want to value that trust and protect them while we're pointing them to Jesus Christ and the hope of heaven. The last thing they need to, do, need to be is taken advantage of by having their trust broken. And I know in a room like this, this many people listening, people on the radio, what I just said really caused you to relive some pain that's related to a church. But praise God you've forgiven. Praise God you've moved forward. And praise God that you've got, uh, developed a new appreciation for confidence in your relationship to other people. And so on behalf of the church of Jesus Christ, of which I'm a part, I just want to publicly apologize and ask for your forgiveness for your confidence being broken. That is not the heart of God. And I would pray that if that's still an issue in your life, that you would forgive and allow the Holy Spirit to renew your spirit and give you the kind of strength so that someone like Hezekiah would protect that which belongs to God. Your trust belongs to God, not to me. And that it would be protected and guarded. Isaiah, he comes to um, Hezekiah after this, and it's too bad because Hezekiah should have met with Isaiah first, not after the fact. Hey, man, these guys from Babylon, I'm all healed. Isn't it great? These guys from Babylon want to come and see it and everything. I'm sure Isaiah would have said, no, we need to seek God. Who else have you ever shown everything to? Why would you do that, Hezekiah? Are you getting a little confident because you're healed now? Is that what it is? No. No, let's wait. And notice in verse 19, Hezekiah said to Isaiah, the word of the Lord which you have spoken is good. He's kind of relieved, but I don't think he understands yet what he did. 
It's just, hey, man, whatever, the re- whatever is going to happen is going to happen. And yet, that decision, the sinful decision that he make, according to verse 18, would affect his whole family and the kingdom. The rest of the acts of Hezekiah in verse 20, all his might, how he made a pool, the tunnel, brought the water into the city, um, which is the Hezekiah's tunnel that exists in Israel today. Are they not written in the book of the Chronicles of the kings of Judah? So Hezekiah rested with his fathers, and Manasseh, his son, reigned in his place. If you want to read ahead, it's 2 Chronicles chapter 32. Uh, we'll get there eventually. We'll look at what happened in these 15 years because these extra 15 years were not good for Hezekiah. They didn't end well. The Lord has been showing long-suffering toward Hezekiah, and the king didn't realize that another great trial was about to begin, a serious assault on Jerusalem. However, the king had learned some valuable lessons from his sickness, and he learned his mishandling of the affair. He learned from his mistakes and how gracious it is of God to prepare us for what he has prepared for us, even if we make mistakes. Even when we, it's not even if, even when we, even when we make mistakes, God's grace is still sufficient to help us get back up. Though a man falls seven times, he will rise again. Yes, we all make mistakes and sin, but God is gracious and willing to forgive and restore us. And on that note of grace, we draw our study of 2 Kings to a close on Abounding Grace. Pastor Ed Taylor will be right back, so don't go away. If you missed any portion of Pastor Ed's series in 2 Kings, it's not too late to hear it again. Just go to calvaryaurora.org or access the teachings through our app. That can be found by searching for Calvary Aurora in the App Store or Google Play. We've picked out a wonderful book by A.W. Tozer this month that we think you'll benefit from. It's The Pursuit of God. God wants to have an intimate relationship with us, and it's something every believer can experience, not just a select few. In this book, Tozer uses examples from Scripture and from the lives of Christians who have lived with a thirst for God to show us the path to a closer walk with the Lord. When you give a donation of $25 or more to Abounding Grace, ask for a copy of The Pursuit of God. Give us a call at 877-30-GRACE or make your request and donation online at calvaryaurora.org. That number again is 877-30-GRACE. Now to finish things up in prayer, here again is Pastor Ed. And so, Father, we thank you for this episode in Ezekiah's life uh, to know that um, we can make mistakes when not bringing things before you, and so forgive us for our prayerlessness. Forgive us for, Lord, the um, lack of confidentiality that exists in the body of Christ, how we're talking about people and talking about things that shouldn't be talked about. Um, Lord, would you help us to keep the things that are private, private? Would you guard us from pride that might cause us to um, show off something that belongs to you. And if anything's to be showed off, it's not, the, it's not the stuff, it's you. It's your work in our lives. That way you'll get all the credit. That way you'll receive all the honor. And so, Father, we, we pray that through the life of Hezekiah, we would grow tonight. We would learn I pray for the sick, God, that are asking for a healing, requesting you to touch their bodies. Thank you for the doctors, the nurses, the scientists, the researchers, the men and women. 
believer and unbeliever alike, that have dedicated themselves to human health and helping human beings. I pray for the believing doctors and dentists and, and you know, those nurses and practitioners and physician assistants and paramedics and on and on it goes, EMTs, that you would guard their hearts, Lord, that it would not become hardened to human suffering and would not become hardened to the brokenness of humanity, especially believers, Lord, that they would just be sensitive to your spirit and strengthen them, Lord, as they have this compassion fatigue and, and it's just so hard serving sick people all day, every day. You would just restore to them the joy of their salvation. You would just restore to them some of the first feelings they ever felt when they wanted to go into this profession. You would just restore to them a renewed sense of how you want to use them in a very unique way, in a very unique place. And that you would heal some of their hearts as they've seen their patients die. And they've seen the medical treatments not work. And it's just so discouraging and so hard, Lord, that you would just keep our hearts soft as we continue to live this life, pleasing and honoring you in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, now that we've completed 2 Kings, we'll take you to the New Testament tomorrow and begin a series in 1 Corinthians. That all starts Thursday on Abounding Grace with Pastor Ed Taylor. This is amazing grace. Abounding Grace with Pastor Ed Taylor is brought to you by Calvary Church, Colorado.